Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hey everyone, welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 36. I have a bunch of updates that I need to get through at the top of the episode, so let's jump right into it before we jump into things. Um, oh, I didn't greet you guys. Hi. How, bleh, hey, how are you? How you doing? Everyone feeling all right? Having a good October? It just like started getting cold here and I'm not about that. I love the fall, but I hate like the changing of the seasons and the actual like sun getting farther away from us or whatever the fuck happens. <laughs> That's science, right? Okay, whatever. All right, let me go into my updates. So this week... Uh, our computer broke. Like, straight up, it's bricked. Like, it's not coming back. It was a little bit touch and go. We were going to try and fix it. We, as if I had anything to do with this, it's Andrew's computer, so he was fixing it or attempting to when our cat Salem jumped up and knocked over the motherboard or the CPU or one of those important pieces that are very, like, you know, mandatory to having a computer. Um, so he knocked it over and scratched it. And now it's just nothing's going to come of that. So we don't have a computer right now. I have a Chromebook, but it's like really old and slow and crappy. So I, that kind of leads me to my second point. Things were, I was like really worried about how I was going to make the podcast and like what we were going to do because I record on Andrew's computer. I was like, oh my God, how long are we going to be out of commission for? What are we going to do? Yada, yada, yada. I switched over, as you may or may not have heard at the beginning of the episode, to a new podcasting, like, hosting platform, um, which I really like so far. It's really cool, uh, but it's a lot of changing to kind of how I learn to do a podcast. Like, for example, right now, I am just recording on my phone instead of recording on my microphone, because when I was recording on my microphone, it sounded really bad and echoey, and my phone had way better audio quality. So that's just, like, weird to me. Uh, so it's just, I'm a little bit worried about how the editing's going to go, how things will go if I have guests, like how things are going to be in the future, but that's just, I wanted to put that out there that the episodes might sound different slightly, like my transitions might not be as smooth because I don't have audacity to edit or whatever right now, but just, you know, go with it for a while, and if you really, really hate it, Sorry about it, because right now I'm actually making some money off this podcast instead of paying almost 20 bucks a month just to host it. So, whatever. Uh, other updates. I got a stripper pole. <laughs> I got a pole for my room, and I'm so excited. It's so fun and amazing. I've been, like, working out on it as much as I can. Um, my arms were so sore. Oh, my God. The first day after I got it, and I had these huge bruises on my thighs from, like, trying to spin around. Um, I'm really excited to like try and learn how to pole dance, but it's really hard to install. It's been like crooked since we got it and it just isn't screwed in right or there's something wrong with it. Um, so it's not really safe because it's like one of the poles where you can, uh, it can be stationary or it can be spinning, but it's not really safe to have it be spinning right now because I was spinning around on it and it like unscrewed from the ceiling and almost fell down. And I was like, oop, nope, that's not supposed to happen. So we're going to try and fix it in a couple of days, but so far I've just been like trying to do like conditioning exercises where I'm just like trying to lift my own body weight up using the pole. Um, and I've noticed that I've gotten like a lot stronger just doing that over the past, like literally it's been one week since we got it, like as of today recording it. So that's really cool. Uh, I have a new hobby now. It's pole dancing and I'm very excited for it. What did I do last weekend? I'm just like trying to update so much because I recorded my last episode a really long time ago, it feels. It was a little over a week ago that I recorded it, which is just like, I don't know, it just feels like it's been a lifetime. So I have like so much I need to catch up on and I want to talk about because it's my podcast and I can talk about it if I want to. Um, so last weekend I went home to South Carolina. I think I mentioned that I have to like do back-to-back -back South Carolina weekends. We're driving down tomorrow night. But 
I was home last weekend for my best friend Morgan's baby shower, and I know that she occasionally listens to my podcast, so hi Morgan, (laughs) if you're listening, I love you, I love Charlie, Charlie is her little baby girl who she's going to be having very, very soon, and I'm very excited to be an aunt. Um, And then, yeah, tomorrow we're driving down to South Carolina for my stepbrother's wedding, which is going to be great, except it's supposed to rain. I, like, asked my dad today, I texted him, I was like, um, hey, what should I wear, like, for the wedding? What kind of weather is it going to be, do you know? And he said that my stepmom said it was going to be nice, and then he's like, yeah, it's going to be nice, 60 degrees and 90% chance of rain, and I was just like, I don't know how to dress for that for a wedding that I think is also going to be outdoors, so, mm, hopefully it'll be fun. I don't know if there's like a secondary plan. I'm sure there is. I'm not, I have no involvement in this wedding other than just showing up for it. So I'm sure they all know what, what's going to happen, but that'll be a good time. So I'm excited for that. And then my life calms down a little bit after all of that, which is nice. I, Cause I really need to just buckle down and do some podcasting and work on some notes and record some episodes But hopefully with this new platform, I will be able to, and it'll be a lot easier. So let's jump into it. This week, we're actually going to be talking about a British reality show, which I think this is the first non-American show that I've done. So that's kind of exciting. Um, It's a show that I do remember watching. I know they probably aired this, I want to say on the Travel Channel uh, (laughs) when I was a little kid. I remember watching it. I was never like super, super into it, but you know, it was, it was kind of fun. So this show is called Most Haunted. Um, so jumping into the background, like I mentioned, it's a British paranormal reality show. It originally aired on a channel called Living TV, which I am not familiar with Living TV, but maybe the Brits are. It aired from May, 2002 to July, 2010. And it started airing again in 2014 and is currently still airing. So it's like very long the brits do love their long running tv shows because i'm thinking about this like geordie shore has like 18 seasons celebrity big brother uk has like 113 seasons i don't fucking know they really love they will commit to a series um so the show it focuses mostly on locations in the uk and ireland that are purported to be haunted but they've also traveled the team that is have traveled to the Netherlands, Romania, the Czech Republic, Italy, and the United States doing investigations. The team will stay at the location for 24 hours at a time, and they investigate any paranormal activity that's been reported there. Something that I thought was kind of interesting that I found too was that in the first season, I think it kind of tapered off from there, but like specifically in the first season, there were more theatrical shot setups, and they would use dry ice. And they would like a backlight the windows to give it a spooky blue or green glow, um, which I did notice there were a couple of shots uh, where the host was sitting in like a chair or standing in a room and like there would be like a very dramatic lighting and the camera would kind of zoom in on her. And I was like, oh, this is a lot for a reality show of like hunting a ghost. Um, so it's kind of interesting that that was called out specifically like in the background and in the research the research, the Wikipedia article. So the investigative team would also typically include both a psychic spiritualist medium, you know, someone who says that they can speak to the dead, um, and also what's called a parapsychologist, which is a paranormal psychologist. So it's kind of a person who is looking for evidence of ghosts, but also has like a skeptical side of it. So, you know, it's just like to kind of give it a sense of balance. In terms of controversies that have affected the show, there were a few. On two occasions, one of the mediums they used, Derek Acora, Acura, I, I don't know how his last name is pronounced. We'll just call him Derek. Uh, Derek was supposedly exposed for fake possessions. So he had been fed misinformation about two non-existent ghosts called Creed Kafer and Rick Eadles by the parapsychologist who was like on the team that time. Um, and apparently, because later on the parapsychologist went on to do a interview in the Daily Mail and kind of talk about exposing Derek, um, he said that Carl Beatty, who was the producer of the show, actually like instructed him to mislead Derek. But during the investigations, Derek presented the information like it was fact and even behaved as if he was being possessed by these ghosts that didn't actually exist. 
And one of the things that I thought was really funny was uh, when he did the interview with the Daily oh, Daily Mirror. It wasn't the Daily Mail, the Daily Mirror. Um, the ghost names were anagrams of Derek Faker. So that was Creed Kafer is Derek Faker. And then Rick Eatles is Derek Lies. So, you know, it's a little funny. Um, and kind of related to that is the show was actually reported to Ofcom, Ofcom, it's the Office of Communications, which is, from what I could tell, like a regulatory agency, you know, that makes sure that people are not lying on TV. I don't know, I'm not British. Um, so like they reported them for like alleged fraud due to Derek being a psychologist, not psychologist, doing a, being a medium. So Ofcom determined that it wasn't fraud just on the basis that this is a an entertainment show, not a legitimate investigation into the paranormal. So that's kind of funny. Um, the aforementioned, da I wrote Daily Mail and Daily Mirror in my notes, so I genuinely have no clue what paper it was. Uh, the aforementioned article uh, also brought into question unedited footage that appeared to show Yvette, who is the host, and Carl, the producer, faking paranormal occurrences such as ghostly bumps and knocks. Carl denied it, Yvette never commented on it, so who's to say? And then there have been a bunch of spinoffs for Most Haunted, but they're all just like other versions of Most Haunted. So there was a Most Haunted Live, Most Haunted Recurring Nightmares, where the presenters would recall their most frightening visits, Most Haunted USA, which was like a mini series. I think it was like six parts or eight parts that aired on the Travel Channel that like featured, you know, obviously various haunted locations within the United States. Then there was also Most Haunted, the live series, which is somehow different than Most Haunted Live, but I'm not sure how. And then finally, Most Haunted, top 10 scariest moments, which I don't think is like an actual spinoff. I'm sure that was just like a special or something. So for the episode that I chose, I'll admit it's, it's season one, episode one. I just, you know, I was watching, I did watch a few episodes of Most Haunted. I was going to try and commit to it and watch like the first couple of seasons at least, or season at least, but I thought, yeah, you'll see coming up in a few weeks, like I got a lot of podcasting to do. I got a lot of episodes to record, a lot of notes to take, so I just didn't really have time to watch all of Most Haunting. Sorry guys, Most Haunted. I call that Most Haunting, didn't I? Sorry, again. So... When in doubt, go with season one, episode one. But also, also, there is the ghost of an ape, apparently, who is featured in this episode. And I thought that was really funny and weird. So, you know, at least there's like a fun little bit to it. So this is the Apple Hampton House. Like I mentioned, it's Most Haunted, season one, episode one. And we start out in a shot with like a courtyard, you know, it's like a very, this is fucking England. So I'm going to say that this is like a, a castle, a mansion, a manor. It's a fancy, big, fancy stone house <laughs> that people live in, like that just normal ass people live in, which is wild to me because I'm an American and our houses are like 15 years old at this point. Like my house that I live in well, I live in an apartment complex right now, but like my dad's house that I lived in when I was in high school was literally like built when we were in high school. It's like 12 years old right now. So we are in like a courtyard in a very fancy mansion castle place and our host Yvette Fielding comes striding in wearing a black trench coat looking very of the 2000s. Um, I think I mentioned at, at the top, like in the background, that the first episode, for, it started in May 2002, so obviously this like took place in 2002, so it's very early 2000s, her hair is very early 2000s, she has like a little headband, and then like curls kind of popping out the back of the headband, it's cute, it just like, it takes me back. So she comes striding out, she tells us that we're about to embark on one of television's most extensive investigations into the paranormal. I can like hear her voice in my head, but I really don't want to attempt the accent because I don't want to get shit on. So I won't. Uh, she tells us that there will be no tricks, camera illusions, or practical jokes. If they find nothing, we'll see nothing. But if they do capture anything, they'll share it and leave it up to us to make up our own minds. See, just like hearing the British accent in my head makes me really dramatic with the recording. So the theme song happens. I think that was just like the little bumper introduction to the series itself since this is the first episode. 
So then we get the theme song, and when it comes back, Yvette tells us that we are in the West Country. Um, they came across one of the strangest hauntings they'd ever heard of, and they just had to investigate. So this is Applehampton Hall, which is near Dorchester. Uh, they're going to spend 24 hours there to find out the truth. So and this is like the first part, the first point in my notes where I say I call this thing a castle because there's like a dramatic camera zoom out and we see the entirety of the property and I'm just like, this is a castle. Um, so then it changes to, I feel like this kind of graphic was very early 2000s as well. It's like a map, but it's like a tactical military looking map where it's all in green and looks like digital as if you're looking at it like on a screen well obviously we are looking at it on a screen but you know what I mean hopefully um so there's like it's a map of England and then we see a little dot blinking on the location of the map where I guess Dorchester is if you are not British like myself and you don't know the geography of England it's sort of in like the south it's definitely in the south it's on the very bottom and then it's to the west slightly so in voiceover, Yvette says that there's been a manor here for over a thousand years, which is crazy, crazy. My house is 12 years old and that house is over a thousand years old. Like that's just nuts. I, I love just being an American and having my mind blown by the rest of the world whenever I leave my country and seeing things that are extremely old not to say that America doesn't have things that are extremely old, because obviously Native Americans lived here for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years before any Europeans came and genocided them, but in terms of architecture that's still around, it blows my mind to see old buildings. Um, but parts of the present building, like the one that they're specifically investigating right now, has been there since the Middle Ages. So, you know, it's not really that old. She says it has a checkered past, it was a fine manor house that fell into disrepair as a tenant farm, but then was restored by the Cook family who still live there today. Um, and it's actually alleged to be one of the 10 most haunted buildings in England, like in general. Which is kind of funny because she said like, oh, while we were in the West Country, we heard about the strangest haunting and we just had to investigate. But it's one of the 10 most haunted places in England. I'm sure this was like on your short list when you came up with a concept for the show in general. So we get our little timestamp, we'll get our timestamps throughout the night. It's 8.30 a.m., the crew arrives, and we're basically just introduced to everyone. It's not really a big crew because, you know, this was just starting out. They were a plucky group. Uh, we meet the parapsychologist. He's with the Ghost Research Foundation. His name is Jason Carl. So he's the one who's going to be analyzing any evidence they collect. Um, he's like has a fairly scientific, skeptical mindset. I don't know if he's a skeptic necessarily, but he uses like skeptical reasoning and like logic to kind of rule out things that aren't necessarily paranormal. Um, so he says that he wants hard evidence, not any anecdotal encounters. He wants things that are like recorded on the equipment or multiple people seeing the same thing at the same time that all like can corroborate each other. So then Yvette asks him to explain what sort of equipment they'll be using. And he introduces us to the EMF meter and explains how it works. Which, if you have, you know, even, like, the slightest passing interest in any sort of ghost hunting or paranormal TV show or anything, you know what the fucking EMF meter is. But since this is in 2002, I guess this is, like, the first time, you know, people were finding out about this kind of equipment. But it's also kind of funny because, I mean, granted, I haven't watched any, like, ghost hunting shows recently. I haven't watched, like, the most recent season of Ghost Adventures since I know that's, like, one of the only ones that they're still on. But I don't know what they use. Do the ghosts? Yeah, they use EMF meters. I was about to say, do they? Do they even use that, or do they just yell at the ghosts with their voices? But no, they do use the equipment. So yeah, I don't know if they're still using that, or if technology has improved at all. Like, has technology for ghost hunting like gotten any better in the past twenty years? I don't know. Does it need to? <laughs> Probably not. Right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just funny to think about. So Yvette brings up that there are supposed to be seven ghosts there, and one of them is the ghost of an ape. Um, and so Jason talks about how, you know, mostly people only think about ghosts as humans, but there have been encounters of ghost animals and even things like buses, cars, and houses. Okay, so I've heard of, like, a ghost bus or a ghost train. I remember, like, the Hey Arnold ghost train episode, which is, like, scary as shit, but actually really, really good, too. 
but what ghost house? I want to know what ghost house is anyone seeing? Because I'm pretty, like, is that just like you see a house in a spot one day? Like you're walking to school and you see a house in a field and then you like walk home from school and the house isn't there anymore? Like what is a ghost house? Um, and so then Yvette asks if it's true that ghosts don't like lights. I think we're just getting like an introduction to ghosts here. This is just ghost 101. So Jason, to his credit, kind of qualifies his answer by saying like, well, if ghosts do exist, then based on like the investigations and the reports that I've been a part of over the last 10 years, more of the unusual or unexplained occurrences happen when the lights are off. So then Yvette explains that they'll also be meeting with a spiritualist medium who is Derek Akira. Um, she asks him what he'll be looking for from Derek. And Jason says, you know, precise details on the history of the, the place itself names, dates, small details that they can go back and check with the owners. He, Derek supposedly doesn't know where he's going to go, so he shouldn't know anything ahead of time. And so then we go into an interview with the current owner of the house, Peter Cook. He tells us that his family moved there in 1957 when his grandfather bought the house, which is like a castle. Again, like, do people just buy castles and live there in Europe? I just don't understand how this works. Um, so, oh yeah, also Peter tells us, like, I don't know why he deems it necessary to tell us this tidbit about his grandfather, but he tells us that his grandfather was a surgeon who wanted a house he could retire to where he could house his antique collection. So he bought a castle. Like, could you not have just gotten a house with a storage shed in the back? Um, but Peter himself has uh, lived there for 30 years. He says that he's never seen a ghost, but he's certainly had spine-chilling moments and he's felt a presence in the house. Um, and he also says that his son, who's only three, has already picked up on, like, the house is kind of, like, spooky. We also get an interview with Andrea Cook, who I suppose is his wife. I don't think it's his sister. Um, she says that it all started when she was pregnant with their first little boy. And she was kind of going into saying that, like, she felt this constant oppressive presence and it was, like, all focused on her and she didn't notice it until she was pregnant. So she couldn't sleep, she had nightmares, and then the moment that it all kind of came to a head, like, the thing that was, like, freakiest for her was when her son was three weeks old, she was putting him in, down into his cradle, his cot, as they call it, um, and she was bending over and she felt something, like, touch her on the shoulder. So she got, like, freaked out. She asked someone to bless that part of the house, like, I guess it's just that wing where she felt the creepiness. Um, and she says that she found out from the person who did the blessing that it was a child, a little girl from the 16th century. Which, I how, how do you find that out from doing the blessing? There's a lot of unexplained, like, mediums talking about stuff here. But Andrea said that she thought the situation was, like, kind of sad. Uh, just, I guess, that there was, like, a little girl who was trapped there and who had been reaching out to her. I, I don't know. She doesn't really go into it. Um, but she was thankful that she had, like, asked about getting the blessing, even though she felt stupid at the time because something came of it. So then we get our next timestamp. It's 7.15 p.m. I have no idea what happened to the last eight hours, <laughs> 12 hours. Like, we got there at 8.30, right? I guess they were just getting things set up. I just feel like it's cheating to like brag that you're going to spend a whole 24 hours there and then you're really only going to focus on what happened for like the 12 hours that it was dark. So I, I'm just being nitpicky. I don't really care. Um, so Yvette walks into the Great Hall. She explains that it's the Great Hall. This shit looks like something out of Game of Thrones. This is so medieval looking. I don't understand how any modern person could just like live there and be comfortable with it. It seems cold as shit. I feel like I would need to be wearing a fur coat at all times if I lived in this house because it just seems like the drafts in the hallways are horrible. Um, so she kind of explains that back in the medieval times, the Great Hall would have acted as the living room, the dining room, and the bedroom. Lots of things going on in there. And there are supposed to be two ghosts that can be seen there in the evening time, and they're seen fighting a duel before sitting down and having a meal together. Oh, at this point in the show, I think it's just like Yvette's little like ghost tour of the house where she walks into various rooms and kind of explains like the ghosts that are supposed to be there. So the first was the Great Hall and the two guys who fight the duel. It's kind of funny that Peter says he's never seen anything in the 30 years that he's lived there, and yet she's like, 
it's like fighting a duel together. Like who's, who reports on this if the man who lives there hasn't seen anything? So then in another room, she's like, this is one of the dramatic shots that we get that's like very theatrical where she's seated in a chair and like the camera comes in and she tells us a story. Um, So she says that there is the ghost of the ape. It was the family pet of the Martins, which was the family that lived there in the 1500s. And the story goes that the ape was trapped in a secret passageway behind the walls and it can often be heard scratching to get out. Which is kind of funny because it's like, well, okay, sure, there are ghosts there. Ghosts make noises. This is all supposing, yes, ghosts exist. There are ghosts there. Ghosts tend to make noises. How do you know it's the ape? Like, why not just any other ghost making a scratching sound on the walls because it's spooky and that's what ghosts do. But that's supposedly what's going on. And so then in another shot, Yvette walks into one of the bedrooms and tells us about another common ghost that's seen, the Grey Lady. Uh, not Hogwarts Grey Lady. She walks through the passageways and she'll like walk into the bedroom. And she tells us a little anecdote that one time a housemaid once mistook her for a a member of the public and she asked the Grey Lady to leave and the Grey Lady very obligingly stood up and disappeared through the wall. Spooky. Um, So then it's 9.50 p.m. Derek, the spiritual medium, arrives they kind of gather, I guess, in the Great Hall, which again still looks like cold as shit, <laughs> but they're around the fire, so they're swapping the ghost stories and just, you know, kind of talking about what's to come. Uh, so one of the crew members asked Derek if he thinks it's a good idea to have your house blessed. I don't know if maybe Andrea had been talking about her experience with getting the house blessing, but Derek says that he doesn't believe that spirits should be forced to move on. He says that it Basically, we should like leave it up to the spirits themselves if they want to move on or not. As long as they aren't hurting us, it's fine. Um, and then Jason t- chimes in and says that there have been like case studies where people who've had their houses blessed or exercised find that their spirits tend to be more disturbed. Like it hasn't moved them on at all. He kind of brings up a point here, which is a little bit interesting, I guess. Uh, he says that, you know, A blessing may be well and good if that's your belief, but it might not have been the spiritual or religious belief of the person who was, like, who is the ghost. Um, So that's just kind of an interesting thing to say because I feel like there aren't a lot of religions in general that specifically, like, leave room for ghosts existing. I mean, I could be wrong. Like, please do correct me if I am wrong, but I'm not, I don't know of, like, a bunch of other religious, like, faiths that have room for like an afterlife where there's an afterlife but also there's an option where you get like stuck behind in the physical realm um so I don't know just like I'm just thinking like you know this guy's like trying to bless a buddhist ghost and the ghost is just like nah dude I'm good (laughs) this is not doing anything for me uh then Derek goes on to say that the ghost would resent it actually and that this is really weird what he says I think Derek is a fucking faker too He says that nine times out of ten, the ghosts know that they've left their physical body. They, like, know that they're in a spirit body, and but they're aware that they still exist. Like, their consciousness, I guess, is still existing in the world. Where are those stats from, Derek? Nine times out of ten? Okay, so again, supposing that ghosts are real and they exist, I have always heard, I'm sure you guys, if you're into spooky things, have always heard that there are, like, two types of hauntings. There's a residual haunting and then there's like an active haunting. I don't know what the other term for it is. But a residual haunting is basically like an imprint of the past that just like replays over and over again. So like, uh, you know, the men fighting the duel probably would be a good example of that where like these men will fight the duel and then they'll like sit down and they'll have dinner and that like replays and the same thing and the ghosts don't see you or they don't interact with you. And then there's the other type of haunting where like, the ghosts supposedly interact with you and that's where you can like you know hold a seance or a dead time if we're talking about paranormal state and we're asking like hey speak into this microphone or make a sound make something knock um so I just think it's weird that Derek would say like nine times out of ten they already know that they're dead when obviously that isn't the case so then one of the cameramen asks if it's true that animals can see ghosts or if it's a myth uh and Derek says that it's not a myth he's basically saying like they, they haven't got, like, the intelligence, I guess, that people do. They just go on instinct, and because they go on instinct, they're, you know, supposed to be able to sense the ghost more easily. But as he's saying this, someone, I think it's Yvette, 
uh, interrupts him to point out that the cook's dog, Alfie, who's been like just sitting with everyone on the sofa, is kind of staring off into space very intently. And so she says like, oh, it's, he's not looking at us. He's looking in between me and Rick, who was like the person sitting next to her. Um, and Derek's like, oh, he's transfixed in the eyes. I wish I could do his accent. He has such a, a, like it's a weird accent. Sorry, not weird. I feel like that's insensitive, right? It's weird to my uncultured American ear, we'll say. Um, so Jason like waves his hand in front of Alfie's face, but like the dog is kind of like looking around the hand, like, you know, he'll peek under it. If he moves the hand, he'll peek over the hand. Um, so everyone's just like freaking out at this as if it's proof that there's a ghost right there with them. And Derek's like, look at him. Yeah, he's aware. He's seeing it. I'm I'm pretty sure animals will just stare off into space at nothing. I mean, maybe it's ghosts whenever my cats are just looking into a corner for no reason. But (laughs) what's really funny is Peter, like Mr. Cook, the person who actually owns the dog, says, well, you know, this is sort of an unusual situation for him. There are lots of people here. There are lots of cameras. And Derek kind of shuts him down. He's like, well, he's been normal all of this time. And now all of a sudden he's, he's transfixed. So they just kind of leave it at that. Next timestamp is at 11.15 p.m. And it's time to start the investigation. So I call bullshit on this whole 24-hour thing. Like, I guess they do spend a whole day there, but... You know what they do for the first part of the day just like walk around and enjoy the castle grounds um Yvette makes sure to tell us that it's the first time the crew has ever spent the night in the haunted house so I guess that's kind of cool too that this is a uh, a good episode to do because they're not seasoned or jaded or anything so Derek begins his walkthrough he first he says that in this building there are four ladies they're sisters or they're like sisters they're close to each other and As he talks, there are these little like blurbs that pop up on screen that give us a little bit more detail, I guess, on just the background of the house, the the hauntings and such. So uh, the blurb reads, Martin sisters, four daughters of Nicholas Martin resided at Athelhampton from 1550 to 1595. Um, He goes on to like try and describe the relationship of two of the sisters, but it's really weird and doesn't make any sense and nothing comes of it. So whatever. Um, And then he says he's being drawn by the elder, the older of the two sisters to a bedroom. So at this point, this is so, so stupid. It's really funny. It's really stupid. At this point, we get a voiceover from Yvette that explains that, well, We'll sometimes hear Derek referring to a Sam, and Sam is a spirit being who gives information to Derek from people who have departed from this world and wish to communicate with the living. Which is, uh, just like this, a spirit being named Sam, like, is going to help you, is going to tell you about the Martin sisters. Okay, dude. So he gets into the bedroom and says that two of the ladies, two of the sisters go in there, and one of them is the one that walks the stairs, the passageway, which I guess he's referring to the gray lady. He doesn't ever call her that. Um, We get another blurb on screen that says the gray lady is the ghost of a woman wearing a long gray dress that is seen in the corridor in the bedroom. They literally, literally just went over that like four minutes ago, but thanks for that, I guess. (laughs) So Derek says... The one who walks the passageways does it on purpose. The other one stays out of sight. So I guess there's like another ghost there that doesn't like make herself shown. Is that how hauntings even work? I have no idea. I'm no spirit medium. So then he also says that William Martin walks there as well. Um, The blurb tells us that William Martin was the great, great grandfather of the Martin sisters, resided at Athelhampton and died in 1504, which is nuts. That's a really long time ago. Like, my little brain cannot even comprehend that, like, people re- were real-ass people that, like, were living their lives back then. <laughs> so, uh, Derek says that Sam is telling him that this belongs to William. And Jason asks if, like, he means this building. And Derek says, yes, the building, um, the house belongs to him in his heart. By the way, Jason has been, like, writing all of this down, scribbling down everything Derek says, I guess, to, like, fact check him later. I have a theory. I'm going to just go ahead and say this right now because it just popped into my mind. I have a theory that Jason actually takes things very seriously and is, like, a legitimate, as legitimate as 
one can be a paranormal investigator who is truly trying to use like science to rule out anything that actually isn't paranormal activity because he does want to like truly find something real. Um, he left the season, sorry, I'm going to spoil the where are they now. He left after the first season, but he's still like a paranormal person like involved in that stuff. I wonder if maybe the show wanted to fake things more than he was comfortable with. And he was just like, no, no, I don't care for this and like leaves. I don't know. Maybe that's just a thought. Um, so anyway, (laughs) after, uh, after Derek tells about William Martin, there is like a little bit of an awkward pause. And then Yvette looks super freaked out and she's like, what's that noise? And she like, here's a noise. So they all pause for a second and then they run into the next room. The cot, the cradle, um, it's like this heavy, like really, really old wooden cradle was rocking in the next bedroom. Andrea, Andrea, sorry, saw it moving on its own. So I guess she was in there with it and it just started rocking. Um, We get like a slow motion, black and white repeat of the moment that Yvette heard it and like freaked out. And so they asked Andrea how it was rocking. She says like, it wasn't going fast. It was doing it with control. Yvette is freaking out, saying that she heard it, she heard it. So they, like, prowl around, and they, like, try to investigate, like, kind of what it could have been. Um, Jason rocks a little bit and says it's a heavy cot, so it really would, like, take strength to move it. Um, Yvette is really upset how (laughs) they, like, didn't catch it on camera. You know, they were, like, right in the next room, and they didn't catch the cot on camera. And Jason says, yeah, the three of us and the cameras were all in the other room, and only Andrea was in here. And I was like... So maybe, just maybe, she faked it. (laughs) Like, she could have faked it. It's very obvious that she could have faked it. But they don't even, like, they don't even give that a single thought. They're just saying, like, yeah, I mean, there's no one else. If anyone else had been in here, there's nowhere that they could have gone. But they never consider, like, did she fake it? Well, if she faked it, she does a good job acting. Because she says that she never liked the cot. It gives her a funny feeling. Um, they ask how old it is, and she says that it's, she thinks it's original to the house. And then Derek, he's such an asshole. Like, not really, but he comes off as kind of like a, a know-it-all, a mansplainer. Um, so Andrea's like, yeah, I think it's original to the house. And Derek's like, yes, yes, it is. And it belongs to the daughter that walks, which I guess is the gray lady. I don't know. Um, so then Yvette's like, all right, well, let's turn the lights off and really get this party started. She does not say that. That is my paraphrasing. So it's 1.30 a.m. All of this at this point is on night vision camera. So it's all like green and weird looking. Some of the crew members are starting to feel uneasy. Um, So Rick, the cameraman, he was the one who asked earlier about animals seeing spirits. Uh, He says that there's a room that he just can't go into and he feels awful. Um, He's just like really freaked out about it. He just says that he doesn't feel right. And anytime he gets close to it, it just, it feels wrong. And it makes him just feel depressed and horrible. Um, and then Carl, the producer, who also is Yvette's husband, by the way, um, did I save it till now to drop that on you? Uh, so Carl and Rick both agree that there's like some sort of like oppressive feeling that they get when they get close to that room. That's like really scary. They don't like it. They feel like whatever is there, they don't want us here. And then Jason says that it's interesting that you both picked up on the same thing, but Derek didn't, which is kind of funny because... Yeah, like, these two people, like, independent of each other, apparently, uh, had this kind of experience. And Derek Medium's just like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. There's nothing here. Like, he doesn't even chime in with anything. But Derek wants to go upstairs to find the secret passageway. Um, He was getting information from his spirit guide, Sam, about the legend of the trapped monkey, Martin's ape. That's a voiceover from Yvette. Okay, but, like, a monkey and an ape are two very different things, ma'am. Like, I specifically looked this up because I was, like, pretty sure a monkey can't be an ape. Yeah, they're, like, two different classes of primates. So they go up to see the ape. Like, that's not a monkey. I'm pretty sure it's an ape. Is it an ape or a monkey? I don't know. I'm mad now. I'm mad that I don't know what animal this is. So they go upstairs. Uh, Derek points out a stairwell that he says the monkey, again, he's using monkey, uh, used to go up and down and go into the cellar. And then Derek says, like, he can feel the essence of him. Um, he explains that the monkey was, like, used to being cared for and looked after. And one of the daughters, like, befriended him, I guess. 
Um, and the reason why the monkey roams, the spirit of the monkey roams, is because it's not, he's not linked up with his master and he misses him. But he says, like, oh, but he's a lovely, placid animal. Like, he, he's very, you know, he's not going to hurt anyone. Um, and then, but he does say, like, yes, that's the sound. The monkey has been scratching at the wall. Uh, and Jason does say, okay, yes, there have been reports of scratching that they attribute to the monkey. I guess they hadn't told Derek that beforehand. But Derek does make sure to clarify. He's like, well, he doesn't scratch because he's in any sort of distress. It's more of just like an I'm, I'm here sort of thing. Um, and then Jason tells him that, you know, the legend had it that the monkey was trapped in the stairwell and couldn't escape and starved to death. And that's why it's scratching. It's an attempt to get out. Uh, but Eric's like, well, no, I disagreed. The monkey was free to go and he could leave and it wasn't in any distress when it left its physical body. So that's that on that, I guess. Like, we just leave that plot point in the dust and hop on over to 3.40 a.m. So <laughs> Yvette says that with Derek's insistence that the history of Martin's famous ape is wrong, the night was taking an interesting turn. So most of the crew had gone to bed um, and the remaining group split into two. The boys, as she calls them, which is, I guess, just, like, all of the camera guys <laughs> and Derek. I don't know. They went to the secret passageway where the ape was supposed to have been. It's very damp and cold and dark in there. And they all sit down in there. It's, like, a really, there's very spacious. Like, there's a room for a camera to move around and see all of these guys sitting down. So I don't really know what this secret passageway is supposed to be. Um, but Carl asks if... I guess the ape, like, can you show yourself? And then he pauses for a second. And he says that there's something breathing right by his ear, but he does say he doesn't feel threatened. Again, he asks the ape to, like, show itself as he can, and he says that there's something cold on his neck. It's a little bit creepy, but nothing too dramatic. And then Yvette, Jason, and the director go upstairs to watch the cradle that had moved. At this point, we see a shot of the cradle in its room, and a voice tells us, that tells us in a voiceover that, you know, like, watch very carefully at the bottom of the screen, see what's about to happen. So they're sort of talking to each other, kind of just, like, speculating what's going to happen if the cradle will move again. And as they're talking, we're just seeing the cradle in the dark. And then there's, like, a very brief, faint flash of kind of, like, flickering lights at the bottom of the screen that I kind of just, like, brushed off as, like, a digital anomaly honestly when I first saw it I was just like that's just you know light being weird light light's weird but Jason and Yvette like immediately react to it in real time on the show I can't tell if they're seeing it with their own eyes or if they're also looking at a screen like looking at it through a camera or something um it's kind of hard to tell the way the shot is set up but they see the lights flicker by again, and Jason explains that dust moves erratically, but these flickers are, like, in a straight line. They seem more deliberate. Yvette asks him if he's ever seen anything like this before, and he says, no, not things like this. Um, no, he's seen, like, orbs, but not these small little flickers. So she asks him about orbs. Uh, he explains that there's thought to be the beginning stages of a ghost manifestation before it becomes the, the, apple, the actual apparition. Sorry, really got my words fucked up there. The actual apparition of a human. Um, and then he says, what we know about them scientifically is that we can't explain them and that's all we know, which I do appreciate. So they see more of the flickers uh, and then they sort of recap about what happened with the cot earlier and how some of them had heard it rocking. Um, Jason says that, like the little flickering lights are getting stronger. And you see it a few more times. It does kind of look like it's getting stronger, but... It doesn't really go anywhere further than that. So we get our kind of our closing little bits. Um, there's a voiceover from Yvette saying, you know, they stayed their, their first nights, come to an end. They'd experienced the cradle that rocks on its own, flashing lights and strange feelings amongst the crew. They can confirm that there's something strange hap happening in Athelhampton. And so then they have a little bit of a, an exit interview, I guess you could call it, with the crew members. Um, so Jason says that in 10 years, or in the 10 years that he's been doing, like, 100, 100s, my god, I can't speak. In the 10 years that he's been involved in hundreds of investigations of alleged supernatural and paranormal events, like, most of the time nothing happens. He's, but he does say that the dog was looking at something, it was straining to see over his hand, and dogs don't normally do that unless it's, like, looking at something. But he's, you know, says whether or not that was just, it was looking at events or the lights or the camera or that it wasn't used to like so many people there that's just a matter of personal opinion 
So then there's another uh, exit interview, if you want to call it that, with Derek. Um, he's kind of talking about orbs, which Jason had just said those little flickering lights aren't orbs, but Derek is implying that they are. Uh, so he says that orbs are the first stage of the buildup of spirit people. And then he says, just before the ectoplasmic stage. And I was like, oop, there it is. Ectoplasma is like 100% proven to be a fraud. Like that shit is very much not real. You can look it up. It's from the spiritualist movement of like the Victorian era where there would be all of these frauds who would fake seances and things like that, fake ghost encounters. And they would basically take like, I think it was just like silver fabric that they would just throw on the floor and they'd be like, it's ectoplasma. Like it's, it, that's real fake. It's, there's no, ghosts don't leave ectoplasma around. So for Derek to say that really, really makes me doubt his uh, actual uh, abilities. So uh, Jason says, yeah, Jason said those weren't orbs. So whatever. Um, they, yeah, they talk about the orbs. It's dumb. <laughs> so that's basically it. Uh, Derek says that as far as he's concerned, though, like, even though these aren't the traditional orbs, it's a good thing. He says that the ghosts were obviously trying to show, like, in their own way that they're around. So Yvette wraps it up and says that it's been, you know, 24 hours at Applehampton Hall, and it's been 24 hours that the team won't forget. Until then, sleep tight. The end. Sorry, guys, that was, like, a little bit sloppy at the end there. I... And it felt like my words were like running together, but I'm on this new podcast recording thing and I don't know what I'm doing with it. So I couldn't stop it and cut those parts out. So just bear with me until I get more used to this thing. That's the end of the episode. Where are they now? Well, Yvette is still married to Carl and they have two kids together. Yvette and Carl have been subjects of a few different documentaries that was originally aired on the Living Channel, which was the same channel that aired Most Haunting, Most Haunted. I keep calling it Most Haunting. Um, most haunted so they were called the documentaries were called living with Yvette and Carl that was in 2008 then there was another one called in bed with Yvette and Carl in 2009 and in bed focused on Yvette's hysterectomy surgery and recovery uh the full series of in bed was ordered like there was like an actual tv show that was ordered after the documentary that aired um and then after that there was another documentary called Yvette and Carl life begins at 40. Yvette is like a very prolific British TV personality. I found she's done a lot. She's been like a guest panelist and a guest star and all sorts of things. So it was really hard to list. So just sort of some relevant things. Um, She presented a show called Ghost Hunting With in 2006, which was obviously a paranormal show that featured her leading various celebrities around haunted locations. So that's kind of fun. Um, She also briefly had a radio show called Yvette Fielding's Fright Nights, which she only had for like a few months. Yvette and Carl also created the Paranormal Channel, which was renamed to the Unexplained Channel in 2009. These are all just sort of her paranormal, uh, paranormal TV shows, radio shows, the things that relate to her career with the paranormal, not necessarily her whole extensive other TV career. Um... Also, just because I see this come up all the time, she was on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here in 2015. And this is fun. She ran and co-owned a tea shop in Manchester called Proper Tea. That's P-R-O-P-E-R-T-E-A until 2016. And then she left to start her own tea shop. But I didn't see what that was called. So whatever. Then for Derek, uh, he left the show in 2005 after being exposed for being a supposed fraud. He filmed a couple of TV series on his own. Um, Derek, Derek Acura, I'm going with Acura. Derek Acura's Quest for Guy Fox and Derek Acura's Ghost Towns. Also, in 2009, he was featured in Michael Jackson, The Search for His Spirit, in which he was shown attempting to contact Michael Jackson's spirit. This was voted the worst TV program of 2009 by a poll on Yahoo. So, uh, yeah, not really, didn't really go over well there. He's been a bunch of other TV shows as well. He's done, like, a ton of TV appearances. Um, More controversially, in May 2012, he claimed to have received a psychic message from the missing child Madeline McCann via a spirit guide, I guess, Sam, Uh, He claimed that she had died some time ago, but would soon be reincarnated. 
After widespread media outrage, he had to issue an apology to her parents, who may or may not have killed her in the first place. That story is really creepy. You should look it up if you don't know anything about it and you're interested in true crime. Madeline McCann. Madeline McCann? Anyway, just Google it. You'll find it. So in 2015, Derek launched a 12-part TV series called The Past Hunters, and in 2017, he toured the UK and Norway on his Whispers from Heaven psychic tour. He also appeared on Celebrity Big Brother in 2017. Uh, back to the controversy, I guess, a little bit. In March 2014, he was convicted of driving without due care and attention. He failed a roadside breath test and refused to give a required sample at the police station, so he was banned from driving for 28 months and fined a thousand pounds. And then Jason Carl, uh, our little parapsychologist. So like I mentioned, he left the show after season one. He did appear on this TV show, show called Great British Ghosts in 2012. And according to his website, he is an established entertainment and specialist presenter of live and recorded television in the genres of entertainment, paranormal, and documentary. And it just kind of lists the TV channels that he's worked for, including BBC Jam, uh, ITV 1 and 2, Channel 4, Living, that's obviously Most Haunted, um, UK TV, other channels that I don't get as an American, so <laughs> who cares? Um, yeah, so that was it for the Where Are They Nows. Um, as far as does this show hold up, is it worth a rewatch? Hmm, I would say probably in the spooky season. Like, it's a good October, Halloween, spooky kind of show to watch. It's a little bit dated, obviously, which is kind of fun to go back and watch, like, these dated shows and see the styles of the clothing and the hair. Uh, Jason Carl had, like, spiky gelled hair, which is just, like, you know, beautiful. Um, Yvette's little, like, headband was cute. Her black trench coat was very of the Matrix kind of vibe. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that it, like, holds up terribly poorly, but it definitely looks dated, but... In terms of, like, rewatching it, I would say, like, save it for the spooky season. It's not, it's not super good to watch for no reason. Well, guys, that is it. Uh, I just recorded this straight through with no editing like I usually do. So we're going to see how this goes. Bear with me as we take this new journey uh, with this new podcasting platform together. Hopefully you like it. Hopefully it's better than what I was using. At the very least, it's going to save me money. So that'll make me happy. Um... So please uh, subscribe to this podcast if you enjoy it. Please, please, please give me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Google and other places that you can leave reviews. It really means a lot to me. It really makes me super happy whenever I see a new one comes in. So just please do it. Um, and if you want to find me, I am on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast, on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod, and my personal Instagram is at really underscore Riley. And if you want to email me, you can email me at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, I'll talk to you later. Bye!